Hi everyone, time for a disclaimer. The information contained in this episode is not intended to be personal financial advice. You should always seek the advice of a professional before making any financial decisions and always do your own research. Let's get into the episode. This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money Boy. This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Joseph Walsh, and today, the guest on the show is me. But before we get into all of that, you know the routine by now. Every week, we have the same conversation. I see you watching. I see. I know you listening. If you haven't liked and subscribed, now is your opportunity to do so. Liking and subscribing means millions of other people get to see this content. The more people that like, the more people that subscribe, the more the algorithms push it out to more and more people to, to get this information and content out there. So if you've got a little bit of value from this, it's time to like, time to subscribe. And then when you're done with that, hit up your group chat and let 35 people know that Black Millennial Money is where you get this, where you get this good financial information from. That's where you get it from. Also, we have a Patreon. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Patreon, it's a way of supporting the work we do here. If you've got any value from us, if you think that what I do here is valuable, head over to patreon.com, search Black Millennial Money and join the movement. Leave a donation, make a commitment to supporting us long term. Or you can help, or you can head over to the Black Millennial Money website and click the support us on Patreon link. It's on the homepage, you can't miss it. So in today's episode, we're talking about making money. And we're breaking down how you can start your side hustles, how you can really get to the next level financially with a side hustle. Now, some of you are going to be wondering, what does Joseph know about side hustles? Well, let me break it down for you. Alongside being a host of Black Millennial Money, where this is the building of my side hustle, you're going to see it. You're going to see the details in the not too distant future. But I've been in the game for 13 plus years where it comes to sales, product development, product development and marketing. I've done it personally, I've done it professionally, and now I'm doing it at scale. I'm a serial side hustler and I've had small wins and big fails and everything in between. So I've got experience in this space. I know a little bit about it and I'm here to share that experience. So other than doing the three things people should know about me because you guys know me, you see me every week, you see me every Monday. Um, I'm going to share a story about a time I learned a financial lesson. And this is less about a one time, it's about a series of times that um, I've had to step back and really take the learnings from it. So this is all about emotional decision making and emotional decision making is linked emotional financial decision making specifically. So, So where you let your feelings guide your financial decisions. One of the key things that stands out to me is I was planning on getting engaged. Depending on when you watch this, it's either I'm engaged, about to be engaged, but it's definitely still happening. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get, my girlfriend had chosen a ring. We've been looking at rings for years. Like we, like we knew this was happening. It was just about timing and making sure we were, we were, we were ready for it. The a thing that started to play into it was I wanted my ego to be satisfied by the ring that she got because I already knew she liked it because she had chosen it but now it's okay how many VVS's can I get can I get a two and a half carat she doesn't want a two and a half carat you know how big a two and a half carat is it's it all it became about me and there was a time where I was thinking I wanted to propose to her 
on the anniversary of our first date. I was breaking my back, trying to figure out, get all the money together, make sure the ring is ordered on time, this, this, that. And then I asked her, oh, uh, what have you got planned for X, Y, Z day? She's like, oh, I'm going to see my friend. She hadn't even thought about it. She completely forgot that that was the anniversary of our first date, whereas I am killing myself here financially to try and bring this thing forward because it makes me feel a way. It's not about her anymore. And the pressure I'd put on myself and the way in which I had approached it, it just, it took some time for me to step back and say, number one, this ring is not for you. <laughs> like, it's not for you. You're not going to wear it. You might see it. As, in fact, I definitely will see it because she, she can't take it off once it goes on. But <laughs> it's not for me. It's about what she likes, about what she wants. And she doesn't care if it's internally flawless with the highest grade diamonds straight from Botswana or something. She, she doesn't care. She cares that she got a ring. She cares that she got a ring that she likes the look of. Whether it's £25,000 worth of ring or £2,500 worth of ring, that's not why she wants the ring. That's my ego. That's, that's all about me. And there's other, there's other situations where this is manifested and a couple of questions that I've got for you guys. Um, now, this is maybe particular to some of you watching or listening. Do you like the car you drive or did you buy it for other people? That monthly payment, is it really for you or is it for someone else? Or is it, or is it because when you pull up to the traffic lights, it makes you think that other people think you are somebody? Is it an emotional decision that's led by other people's interpretation of you? Did you think it was going to be easier to get girls, even though your chat's not quite where it's supposed to be, <laughs> even though the swag doesn't match the car? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just speculating. Another question. Does my child wear designer brands because they like them or because I've convinced them that that's what good is? Wait to let that one breathe because some of us have got kids in Gucci slides and my man just wants to play with Power Rangers. Where's the dinosaurs? Let's have some fun tonight. <laughs> he doesn't care that he's wearing LV. She doesn't care that this is a Donna Karen Burberry sweatshirt. Like, as long as she ain't cold, chances are she doesn't even care if she's naked. These are kids. Who are they dressing for? Does it make you feel good that other people see your kids in Burberry? Is it about your kid? Is it about what they want? Is it about how they express themselves? The final question is, do you give your, your family money because they need it or because on some level it brings you meaning and validation? So some of us have family overseas. Some of us have family around a corner from us who depend on us financially. How much of that, and not saying no, even when you know they're not gonna pay you back, even when they've got a history of not paying you back, how much of that is for them? And how much is it for you? How much are you making emotional decisions that aren't really the best long-term decisions? Where does it end? Is this person just another direct debit on your list of direct debits now? Just some, food, just some food for thought because that emotional financial decision-making, yeah, when I sat down and thought, why am I killing myself for this ring? And the number of other ways where I've got emotional about my finances and started trying to make decisions and started trying to do things for the look. Like I remember when I worked for Mercedes, when, and I also used to go to the barbers 
back then, not so much anymore. <laughs> um, I used to drive around the block to make sure until the parking space directly outside the barbershop was, was available. It wasn't even my car, it was a company car. But it made me feel good burning that fuel in traffic, <laughs> turning up 25 minutes early for my appointment <laughs> to only have to wait to be 15 minutes late for my appointment because you never get to the barbers and they're waiting for you, right? Just so I could park in that spot so people could see me get out of the car and walk into the barbershop. Did I? Did they really care? Was I paying all that extra, like, benefiting kind tax? Money coming out of my salary just to drive the big thing. Emotional decision-making. Anyway, let's get onto the subjects of this episode where we're talking about side hustles. In this first section, we're going to break down the anatomy of a good side hustle. So taking you step-by-step step through what I believe makes the best kind of side hustle. So it starts with an introspective question, as most of these things do. Are you the right person to do this? Now, there's a lot of side hustles out there that we can all pick from. But what makes you the person that's going to make this one successful? What about you sets it apart? And it can be really simple things like, I, for example, one of my side hustles, or I tried to make it a full-fledged business roughly 2015. This guy with no hair was out here trying to sell Brazilian weave because it was hot. What business do I have in the Brazilian weave game? I can't even model the product. I, in fact, I refuse to model the product. I definitely could, but I won't. Why am I the person selling Brazilian weave? Obviously, that didn't work out. What personal experience, what education, what skills do you bring to the space where it's like, okay, you're the one that's going to make this happen? And also, you don't necessarily need to have skills, but you need to have a... You need to have skin and skin in the game. It can be a level of fed upness. Like um, the woman who made Spanx. So Spanx is shaping underwear for women. I'm I'm sure some men wear it as well. But she was tired of it coming in in granified colors. She was tired of it not actually being comfortable. She was tired of it not adapting to her and trying to make her into a size zero model. So that level of fed upness led her to actually just make her own stuff. I'm tired of this nonsense. And as she started to see it work, people started asking, she started sharing it with people. It became a little side hustle. Now Spanx is worth several hundred millions of dollars now. It's been a 20 year journey, but it started from a level of fed upness. She bought a sewing machine, she figured it out. So if you've got a personal experience with a situation it's like, this could be better. And I'm, I'm really annoyed at this experience. And you just wanted to do it for yourself. Chances are you may be onto a pain point that a ton of other people have. So the next question, and this is one where you can be truthfully honest, is it a money grab or is it something you're actually passionate about? And there's no wrong answer about this as long as you know what you're in it for. Like going back five, six years ago, fidget spinners, crazy accessory selling like hotcakes, everyone and their mum was selling them. Now, do you know, are you riding a wave or are you just trying to get, trying to make some money? Like there's some people who are selling PPE right now. People are selling hand sanitizer. Is it a money grab or is it something you actually care about? 
And then the question then becomes, are you desperate in this moment? Because sometimes when you're desperate, your decision making is impaired. Again, emotional decision making. You're making decisions from a place not of cognition and of understanding and seeing a logical opportunity. You're here trying to immediately feel a need. Oh, my gas bill's due. Let me let me start this thing up and expect it to make money. Is that how it's going to work? Is that the right way to approach it? And how long is it going to take for you to make money from it? How long are you willing to wait? Because if you are coming from that desperate place, if you need to pay that gas bill in two weeks' time, you're probably not going to feed this side hustle the way it needs to be fed before it makes money. And then answering the question, is this a money grab? Fine. Then how long will it take for it to make money? Can I wait that long? Is it a big enough opportunity for me to be like, okay, cool, let me do it. Let me do it. Food for thought in terms to consider is this really worth the time? Is this really worth the investment you're about to put into it? Is this really worth all the energy? Because side hustles are not easy. There is no such thing as an easy side hustle. Everyone that tells you make a money on autopilot and all of this stuff lies. If money wasn't being made on autopilot, none of us would be going to work. It's really that simple. Now, the final piece is, do you have the time and money to invest? Do you have the time? There's no such thing as a free side hustle. There's no such thing as a $0 startup because it's either going to cost you time or money or a combination of both. If you haven't got the time to really do it, if you're working 80 hours a week, there is no side hustle for you. There isn't. If you can't find the time to actually feed and nurture this thing, it's not going to be able to produce. It's not going to be able to produce. It's not going to be able to grow. It's not going to be able to meet the need that you started it for. And again, does it fit into your life beyond your your work commitments are you trying to give up that amount of free time are you trying to give up the free time it's going to take for this to really be a good side hustle for it to be something that grows and builds and develops in the future it's it's often a tough question because sometimes something can be really really profitable but it's it's about to ruin your life it's about to make you miserable is that what you want and sometimes it comes to a decision-making point where it's like, if I went 10% harder, my lifestyle would go through the toilet, but I would make 10,000 pounds more a month. And the level of stress and aggro associated with that, chances are, for some people, it may not be worth it. It may not be worth you going through all of that stress, high blood pressure to make that extra money because you don't like the life you're living. You don't like the fact you wake up at four in the morning and go to bed at, at 12 at twelve midnight. If you don't like that schedule, fine, set a limit. Find the parameters in which this side hustle makes sense to you because this isn't a full-time job. This is the thing on the side. What are you willing to give up? What sacrifices are you willing to make? I'll tell you for free, for this podcast, evenings and weekends. Guarantee you every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm doing something related to this podcast, either doing a podcast briefing or recording. And Saturdays and Sundays, I spend editing. Friday nights, I spend editing. If I need to do something, it gets done. Five, six days a week, seven days a week, depending on what's going on. That's my sacrifice. Can I do it forever? Probably not. Do I want to do it forever? Definitely not. Is there a plan? For sure. But nothing comes for free. There will always be a sacrifice. You always be. You always have to compromise on something. 
And when you realize what you're going to have to trade for this success, that will determine whether or not you want to pursue the side hustle. And you may find out halfway through. You may honestly say, you know what? This isn't, this isn't a way to do it. And to be crystal clear, whenever it comes to financial success, it always comes with an unequal trade in the beginning. In the beginning, it's, you're going to be given a lot more than you're getting back. But once you've pushed and pushed to a level where it now moves by itself, you've got the momentum going, it pays you in ways that you never imagined. It starts bringing opportunity. It starts bringing opportunity. With this podcast, it's brought opportunity at my, prefer- at my nine to five. It's brought opportunity outside of my nine to five. And we're just getting started. This is episode 33. I've committed to do 100 of these in, what, 67 more episodes. God knows what's gonna, what this podcast could pay me, what return it could bring. But it's understanding that in the very beginning, it's all grind. It's all grind. There's no glory. There is no glory. And even when the glory is coming, <laughs> the, grind, the grind doesn't stop. The grind doesn't get any easier. The next major thing to really, really break down is, does it make money? So the two parts of a side hustle. Number one, are you the right person to do it? And number two, does it make money? How much does it make to be worth your time? How much does it need to make to be worth your time? Usually when people talk side hustles with me, I use a Chris Gillibo's example from his book, Side Hustle School, where he says, if it doesn't make at least $500 a month, it's not worth your time. But some of you make very good money. I would say if it doesn't make one week's wages after tax or 500 pounds, whichever one is higher, it's not worth your time. It needs to get to a point where the amount of work you're doing is equivalent to one week's work at your full-time job and beyond. The reason is because if you put those extra hours into your job, you could probably make the same amount of money with less stress and more system and you probably get your weekends back. You might have to work some late evenings, but you'll get your weekends back. If, If it doesn't make sense mathematically, financially, what's the point of a side hustle? You're just creating more work and extra stress for yourself. Now, understanding the difference between a fad and a true side hustle, and there's nothing wrong with that. Ride a wave if that's what you want to do. If you just want to dip in and dip out, ride the wave. Ride the wave. Like right now, how many people are selling anything related to Corona or PPE, all sorts of things? Ride the wave. Ride the wave, but make sure it makes money. Because I tried to ride a wave back in the day with beard oil, and I realized that I was selling all this beard oil, but I wasn't profitable. In fact, I was on the verge of starting to lose money. By the time all was said and done, I had done £12,000 worth of sales in two months from from zero to 12000 no, in three months. And I lost £400. <laughs> I ended up, so I had gone all the way out to 12 grand, but somehow I ended up not making any money because I thought I was in a business. It turned out to be more of a fad. But more specifically to that, I didn't realize the business that I was really in It's more about selling the next product. It's not about selling this product. That's the one that gets people interested. But it's about product two, three, four, five, and six. That's where you make the money. Was I willing to go to those levels? Was I willing to put the capital in? Was I willing to put the time in? No, because I was trying to ride a wave. And I hadn't done my numbers. I didn't know that the wave I was trying to ride wasn't going to be profitable. 
how big is the opportunity? This will help you understand whether or not it's going to make you some true money. Is it local? Is it global? What about it means that it has the opportunity to, uh, to consistently bring in 500 pounds or one week's wages after tax, whichever is higher, every single month minimum. And the final, the, the final thing to really consider in terms of making money is how wealthy are your customers? Because if you're looking at customers who, ha who can comfortably afford what you're selling, chances are you can raise your price a little bit. But also it means that they will have not, so, so far as your product is useful to them, so far as you can prove the value of your product, it will never run out. You'll never run out of customers. You will never be able to satisfy the demand if they're sufficiently wealthy enough and your product is sufficiently valuable enough. Really basic example, the guy at the chicken and chip shop, the price has the ceiling of the people in the area. There are some parts of the UK where you can sell two pieces of chicken and chips for no more than two pounds. There's other places where you can sell that for eight or nine pounds, namely Shoreditch, <laughs> where you could go and spend nine pounds on the two pieces of chicken and chips. If you can find that need, if you can find that desire, as well as a customer who is wealthy enough to afford at a price point that makes you a significant profit, now we're talking. Now we're talking. So to summarize this section, really, we asked two key questions. What is it about you that makes you the right person to deliver this side hustle? Do you have experience? Do you understand it? Are you passionate about it? Is it just a money grab? Do you have the time to invest? Are you willing to give up what's required to make the side hustle viable? And the second question comes down to real simple basics. Does it make money? Does it make at least 500 pounds a week or one week's wages after tax? Do the maths on that. If it doesn't do at least that, it's probably not worth starting. How many customers do you have to sell to to make back your initial investment? How many customers need to buy on a monthly basis for you to be able to make at least 500 pounds a month or one week's wages after tax. If those numbers are reasonable, like for example, if you're going for the 500 pounds and you've got to sell a 50 pound product to 10 people, okay, that's feasible. But if you've got to sell a five pound product to 100 people, chances are this is not the right side hustle for you. It's not the right side hustle. It's not the right side hustle for you, especially if that's the highest if that's the most people are willing to pay. If it's a reasonable number, if you start getting anywhere near more than 50 people to buy a product for you to, for you to make 500 pounds a month, you're probably not in the right spot. You're probably selling it for too cheap or this side hustle is just not going to scale. It's not going to work because once you start doing what we're talking about in the next section, whereas like doing paid advertising and all of this stuff, if, you, if you've got a £10 product and it costs you £8 to acquire a customer to run an advertising campaign until someone buys, you're not going to be in business too long. That's precisely how I ended up losing money on my beard oil business. So hopefully this first part, showing the anatomy of a good side hustle, the person and the money has been valuable because in the next section, we're going to be talking side hustles more. So stay tuned after the break. 
If you have any questions or dilemmas that you'd like to have featured on our podcast or on our YouTube channel, go to blackmillennialmoney.com, click the contact page and send them to us. Names will be changed or kept anonymous unless you say otherwise. We are back and today we're talking about side hustles on this Make Money episode of of Black Millennial Money. First half of this episode, we're talking about the anatomy of a side hustle. In this half of the episode, we're talking about building an awesome side hustle step-by-step, and that's an online side hustle. So building an online side hustle step-by-step, I'm going to break down a process that I recommend that each of you do. This is the process that I follow at the big building where they pay me a good amount of money to do this stuff for a living. So the first step, the first step, You've heard it before. It starts with a research. Take your time. There's no need to rush into a side hustle. Good opportunities last long enough for you to do some research. There's a caveat to that. If you're going to spend two years doing the research, no. If you're going to spend two days, two weeks, okay, you're onto something. If it takes you longer than two weeks to complete your research, you're either procrastinating or you don't have a good enough grasp on this thing to make money from it anyway. If you have to learn a completely different skill set, to just get started, not the right side hustle for you. So what's the industry? What do you know? What are the trends in that industry? What do you know? What can you see coming? What's happening in this space? This is why a lot of, a lot of young women are doing fantastically well with clothing brands at the moment because they see the trends. They live the trend. They understand the industry. They know what they want to buy when they go to, the sh- when they go to a shop, when they're looking on a website and they market that to their peers. A lot of the young women who are selling these clothes and selling apparel online, doing, doing crazy numbers, getting tons of traction on Twitter and places like that, they're in their 20s, selling stuff to other people in their 20s. They live and breathe that. They are the target audience. They know the target audience. Their friends are the target audience. And because of that, they're able to capitalize on the industry trends and really plug in to the needs of that market. The next thing to do in a research phase is to do the maths. And we spoke a little bit about this in the first part, so I'm not going to labor on it too much. But key questions, how quickly, how quickly can it make money? How much money can it make? So what's the upper ceiling for this money? And I'm not, and I'm not saying that you're like, oh, so there's 60 million people in the UK. So, if I, so that means 10 pounds times 60 million people, I'm going to make 600 million pounds doing it. That's not useful maths at all. Because doing that market size maths is lazy. Every entrepreneur, once you get good, once you start making money, you start making money beyond the market that you thought you were going to be able to make. So that's not a useful number. A useful number to understand is okay, if you're going into like, I don't know, clothing or some sort of online retail, is there a big business that's doing something similar to you? And how many customers do they have every year? every year can you find that research now they've they may have a hundred thousand customers you're not going to get a hundred thousand customers in day one you might get a hundred thousand in year one but definitely not day one how many customers do you think you can get in your first day how many customers do you think you can get in your first month and then break down the strategy as to how you're going to get there what does that look like? How much work does that, does that take? How many influencer shout-outs do you, do you need to do? How much products do you need to have available? How many ad campaigns do you need to run? How many emails in your database do you need? All of these things will help you get an indication as to what's a reasonable number, how much money you can make, but also how quickly you can make that money. And again, how much you need to sell to break even. 
you're going to put some money down to start this website. And even if it's the 20 pounds a month you spend on Shopify to set up an online store, that's still money out of your pocket. How many people does it take to pay for your, to pay for your, your website hosting? That's a, that is a useful calculation to make. So if you, break, if you break down your thing into your bills, so you've got your website hosting, you've got maybe your marketing costs, you've got your product costs. Now, how many things do I need to sell to cover the cost of my internet? What's my timeline on that? So if I need, if I need 25 pounds a month to run a Shopify store, cool. How many things do I need to sell to be able to pay for the store? Okay, great. That's one, maybe two customers. Got it. If I now need to spend 200 pounds a month for my marketing minimum, how many customers do I need to get to be able to pay for that? Because if you follow this process of this, this amount of customers pays for this thing, this amount of customers pays for the next thing and so on, you're going to pay for all your bills in your business. And then once that loop starts replenishing itself, once you've covered all your operating costs, you no longer need to put as much money into business from your personal pocket as you used to, you now have the opportunity to now scale the business. So any money you do decide to put in goes towards making the business bigger. It goes towards making the business better. It's not going towards keeping the business running because the business can run by itself. Can it grow necessarily by itself? That's the question you need to answer. And that's where you may need to add more capital to see growth, not just to keep running. So that's the first section, time and research. Know your industry, know the trends, figure out how you're going to make money, know those numbers as, in as much detail as possible. Have contingency plans. If, if your numbers are 20% lower, what does that mean? If your numbers are 50% lower, what does that mean? Does it still make sense for you to pursue if you think you're going to get 100 customers and you get 25? So the second step is to test the idea as quickly as possible. This goes back to not researching for two years. Two weeks maximum is the research you need to be doing. And that means proper research. It doesn't mean I did one Google search in two weeks and that's covered it. It means no, enough research for you to know and understand. So 10 to 15 hours of research a week for two weeks will give you the answers that you're looking for. Testing the idea. You've done the research. Now, what can you do to get some validation for this idea within 24 hours? What can you do to, to see whether or not this is something that people care about? Does that mean you set up a basic website? Does that mean you run an ad campaign really, really quickly just to see if anyone clicks your advert? Just to see if anything that you've got, anything that you're presenting to the world, someone cares about? How quickly can you get an answer to say, okay, this is a thing. This means something. If you decide not to put any money into it or set up a basic website, the other way to go about it is to get feedback from at least 20 people. And that means 20 people that are in your target audience. So the people that you anticipate are going to buy this product. It doesn't matter. There's no point coming to me if you're trying to sell me a new type of a tampon. Doesn't help me at all. I have no understanding of the product. Literally, I felt a tampon in my girlfriend's pocket the other day. I asked her, is that a battery? She looked at me crazy. Why would I be walking around with batteries in my pocket? Not your target audience. Because <laughs> the use of the data you'll get from me I will be completely off. You'll get the wrong kind of advice. You'll get the wrong kind of insight. You'll get the wrong kind of knowledge. Find 20 people in your target audience and talk to them. Some of the questions that we've been trained to ask in this space are like, oh, would you pay for this? No, it, that's not a useful question because everyone says, yeah, of course I'll pay for that, especially your friends. 
all your friends will support your business until it's time to support your business. I'm sure some of you know. I'm, I'm sure some of you really, really know. Useful questions to ask when you're actually engaging with customers, particularly only those in your target audience, is how much time does this save you? How, and that question can be phrased in, okay, how much easier does this make your life? Is this better than what you're currently doing? Another question is, how annoying is this for you? Is it something that you find frustrating? Is it something that you, you wish was better? And then find out what they think is better. It's not about you going and inventing what's better. Someone says they want it in blue, you're going to make that thing in blue. You don't come back and say, hey, I solved your problem, but it's green. I wanted it in blue. That's called the definition of quality. It's not to say what someone necessarily wants. It's how they want it. How they want it. Because you could be right in everything, in everything except for the how. And without that how, it's going to be a harder sell. And chances are you're going to find that Demand will, demand will trail off. If you figure out the how someone wants something, mastered, absolutely mastered. The next question is what do they do now as a workaround? So for example, if someone really doesn't like how uh, a particular knife works, and that sounds silly, it sounds silly to use a knife as an example, but do you have to cut at a certain angle for it to work? Or do you have to constantly sharpen it? Do you have to get a really, really good sharpener just to use this knife? What things are they using to compensate? Because that may show you how much they're willing to spend on this thing. So for example, um, in the case of the knife, it's, a, it's, it's an expensive knife, but it's not the best knife for me. How much money have I spent on knife sharpeners? So if I'm spending 25 to 50 pounds a month, I mean, 25 to 50 pounds to buy a really, really good knife sharpener that allows me to use my favorite knife, even though my favorite knife is not very good. Your replacement for that can cost as much as 50 pounds or even higher than that, that, that knife sharpener. So far as it's a better fix, so far as it answers the how they want the thing done, you could charge more or you know roughly where your price point should be. How are they making do? So similar point, how are they making do? What things are they using to compensate? How much are they spending on that compensation? How much time is that compensation costing them? Because sometimes it may not be in, in actual money. They may be using that blunt knife and it's taking them 25 minutes longer to finish cooking because it takes forever just to cut stuff with this knife. If you can save someone 25 minutes, chances are they'll probably pay for that especially for some regular occurring 25 minutes. So get your validation as quickly as possible. 24 hours, 48 hours, you will have some answers. Go out and talk to real people. The advantage of talking to real people is that real people will say things you haven't even thought about. You haven't even considered it at all. Not even close. And the way they will say it, the, way, the words that they will use to describe a situation, take those words and then put it right back into your marketing campaigns when you're ready to run those campaigns and watch it connect. The words that people use to describe the challenges they're going through are precisely the words that they need to see in the adverse for them to understand that you've truly understood their problem. So once you've done your research, once you've tested it within 48 hours maximum, 
it's now time to build your audience. Because I made the I made the right move in this space. I made the right move on this front where it came time for me to launch my beard brand. The beard oil brand for the beard oil that I use, that I've that I've been mixing myself. I decided to build an audience on Facebook for two reasons. The first thing was number one. When it comes to running ad campaigns on Facebook, it's easier if you've got an audience of people who are already interested in a topic because you can use that data and then start finding other people just like them. That's a little bit complex, but it's something that is really, really important because where you go and do a basic ad campaign, it says find people that like, find people similar to the people that like my page or show my adverts to people that like my page and their friends, chances are, birds of a feather flock together and it'll be easier for you to find customers that way. The other thing about that is, is that we've all done it. We've all launched our shiny new side hustle business and whatever else. And day one is crickets. Why is no one buying? Because not enough people know. Once you've built an audience, it's easier to sell. Usually I would say start planning for this three to six months out. Start building an audience. If you don't want to wait that long, to build an audience, set yourself a number. So what I did when I was launching the Beard Oil brand is I wanted a thousand likes on, on this page. I ended up launching with about 800 likes on the page, but it was enough data for me to sufficiently say, okay, I'm ready to do this. The engagement on the page was strong enough. People were liking the posts about beards and, and black men with beards specifically because my, my product was targeting Afro hair. So that made it easier for me to launch. It meant that I had 800 people who could potentially put their hand in their pocket and buy some of this beard oil that I was selling. I'd done my math, I'd done my numbers kind of well, not really well, but I knew that if just 20 people bought, I would make back some of my, I would have made back all of my expenses if 20 people bought from me. The challenge is that <laughs> I hadn't factored in the cost of my marketing into that 20 people. It should have been more like 50 people. Had I seen that early, I would, it would have saved me a ton more money. It would have saved me a ton of time and a ton of money, but you live and you learn. So once you've done your research, you've got your 24 hour test, your 40 hour test, worst case scenario, and you started to build an audience, your audience is reaching the number that you want to hit before you launch. And that could be on a social media page, measure the engagement, make sure that say you've got a thousand people following you that you're getting 50 to 100 likes on every single post. You're getting some comments on every single post. It may be to do with a people that have given you their email that have joined the waiting list for the product for the launch day. How many people need to be on that list for you to feel confident that you're going to sell enough products on day one to recoup your initial costs? There's multiple ways of building an audience. It could be people that sent you a text message so now you've got their phone number email addresses, for subscribe to your, to your podcast, in my case, um, Instagram followers, TikTok views, or maybe you can measure something else. Like, for example, on Instagram, every time you post, you, see, you can see the number of shares in the analytics. If you're, so, if you're posting really engaging stuff, so engaging that people are willing to share, that they're passionate about the topic to the point that they're sharing it, you could measure that number. But whatever your number is, it needs, it needs to be building. You need to start building it early and get some consistency going there. 
once you've got some consistency, once you've got the audience that you're comfortable with, it's time to launch and launch quickly. We don't want to take too long to launch. It's about getting to market quickly. If you spend too long planning, you will you'll, you could potentially miss your opportunity or spend your time bogged down in details that don't matter. Because you know what? All the best business plans, all the best ideas get abandoned the second a customer gets anywhere near it. You've you've been some of us have <laughs> some of us have worked in retail or some other business, I, or walked into a shop and you see it. The shop was beautiful. The second some customers get in there, give it two hours, the place is trashed. The place is a mess. You could have you could have spent four hours just folding those jeans, packing those bags, getting everything ready. Put some customers in there, you think you think you let a gang of toddlers in the shop. And that's the other thing. Customers are like toddlers. They are stupid, they are smart, and they're annoying all at the same time. They will do everything possible to break your, your well-laid plans. You may think, yeah, I made it super obvious on my website where to click. Why is everyone moving it right rather than going left? Why is everyone struggling to check out? It's basic. Why, doesn't, why aren't people reading the description? All of these things are stuff that you will learn from customers. There's no point in you trying to have a perfect website because no matter how good you think your website is, you've been looking at it too long and it was your idea, so you already know how it works. When a customer comes onto your website and they have no idea what you even sell, even though you think by calling yourself your, your shop Beach Bikinis that people know that you sell bikinis for the beach, they will still come to your shop and be confused. You will need to find a way to adapt and pivot, which is why we launch quickly. Because there's no better formula for understanding how good your side hustle is, how good your project is, until it's out in the real world. Because everything we did up until now was preparing. It was, it was giving us a level of confidence. So the research gives you a bit of confidence. Okay, maybe this is something that I can do. The 48-hour test, the 24-hour test, says, okay, maybe there's some appetite here. You start building an audience. I'm like, okay, people are really keen. They're, they're subscribing, they're following, they're liking, they're giving me their emails. Okay, cool. This is, this is giving me like, okay, this is worth a shot. By the time you pull it in the real world and say, hey, put your hand in your pocket, give me some money for this thing. This is the ultimate test. This is the ultimate learning experience. Everything you've done until then doesn't matter if nobody puts their hand in their pocket and buys. And even if people do put their hand in their pocket and spend some money with you, if it's not enough people, you still haven't got the validation you need. You, you may need to kill it even though people are buying. There is nothing, I heard a quote the other day, there is nothing worse than a side hustle or a product or an ad campaign that does okay. Because you'll waste more time chasing the okay opportunities. It's like, okay, yeah, we get one sale here, two sales there, three sales there. It kind of seems like it's working. No, it's not giving you a definitive answer. You'd rather have got zero sales or got a thousand sales because that's confirmation. One or two sales a day, five sales, six sales, no sales. That, you're sitting there thinking, mm, maybe, maybe. But if you've got a thousand sales, you've got a thousand, you know, you know. If it's got zero sales, you know. So when you launch and get that answer, get that answer from, from your customers, from the marketplace, that's when you really know you're onto something. And after that point, so we've gone through the initial research. We've tested after 24 hours or 48 hours. 
we have built an audience, we've launched, the next thing to do is to start automating the processes because you started a side hustle, an online side hustle at that. This is for you to now make some money without having to get yourself a whole next job. Because if you wanted another job, you would have gone and got another job. This is a side hustle. This is something that's supposed to produce 500 pounds or at least one week's worth of wages after tax because you had a particular purpose and wanted some extra income. Automating as much as possible in your side hustle will help you make more money. If you, we've all, I've started side hustles. Some of you have started side hustles where it's like, this is work. Every single day I have to be doing this. I have to be doing this. That was another thing with my beard oil problem. Every single day I had to be here packing orders. I tried to automate it. I tried to systematize it where I was looking for a company that would store my products and ship my products. So I didn't have to think about it. The issue was because I didn't do my maths correctly in the beginning, I didn't have enough profit in the business to be able to give someone some of that profit to be able to now run that side of the business that was taking so much time. I had no time to think about strategy. I had no time to think about the new growth campaigns, new marketing campaigns, new other things because I couldn't automate this part of the business because my numbers weren't right. The more of your business that you can get running without you having to be watching it, without you having to do it, the more opportunity you have to make money by having the time to think and invest into the areas of growth that you need. So you've come up with a great side hustle. Maybe it's an online course to show people how to file their taxes. Amazing, great. People are buying the course, it's selling. You're doing a little bit of customer service. That customer service is taking up your time. You can't do all the customer service. Find someone who can do the customer service for you. Makes it nice and easy for you to now focus on what's the next thing. So people that want to figure out how to do their taxes, what else do they need? Maybe they are considering some finance options. Maybe they're looking at maybe getting a business loan or a personal loan. Can that be something that we figure out how to offer to them? Or maybe you just do some market research. Ask them. You now have the time to do this research. Have some sit-down interviews with people and see, hey, what else can we help you with? What, what else would be useful for you to learn from us? But if you're spending all your time responding to those customer service emails, you never get to have those conversations. You never get to do that work that's going to set you apart and push you forward to the next stage. So the better your automation, the more your profit. It's really simple. Because the less hand-on touch you have to do, the more time you have to actually grow, look for new opportunities, expand, and build your business. So... To wrap this section up, we've gone through the five stages to building an awesome online side hustle. Starting from the very beginning, you do the research, you get to know the industry, you get to understand what it takes to succeed, what's happening, who's happening in this industry, who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong, what's the difference? The next step is testing your idea as quickly as possible. How can you get some validation for your idea, some insight, some some data for you to make some decisions with for your idea within the first 48 hours? Is that doing an online quiz? Is that going and interviewing 20 people in your target audience, literally finding them wherever they are? Is that um, maybe doing an Instagram live? If you've got a follower, do an Instagram live. Ask people some questions. Get the feedback in instantly. It might be paying an influencer. I did this through 
through the business I work for on a day-to-day. I paid an influencer to tweet something. And in the space of 24 hours, we got 30 responses. If we tweeted that, we'd be lucky to get two. We had whole conversations, whole threads of people talking about this subject, sharing their experience, sharing their insights, just from a tweet. The tweet costs, what was it? How much we pay for that tweet? Might have been a hundred pound. Might have been a little bit less, but it was a tweet, went out, gave us the data, nice and easy. The influencer sent us over some screenshots, super easy. We got some validation immediately from the marketplace. While you're doing that, you need to make sure you're asking useful questions. Asking people if they would buy stuff doesn't necessarily, because everyone's going to say either yes or no. And if they say no, what does that help you do? Nothing. If they say yes, that doesn't mean that they're actually going to buy because no is a, is a limited answer. Yes is a limited answer. You want to ask broader and experiential questions. What, don't, what do they really not like about this? Or, or what do they like about it? Or what's not quite right? What things are they doing to make up for the fact that this thing isn't perfect? Are they buying two things when they really need one? Are they looking, is it taking them two hours to do a 30 minute job? All of these things are the insights that you need to be getting, asking about the process, asking those open questions that will show you how people use the service, how they might use your product. The next thing is to build an audience. This helps you in a number of ways. You can now keep that research phase going, getting more and more validation from people, asking more and more questions, as well as having an audience who you can immediately sell this product to when you're ready to launch. You don't want to launch and no one's expecting your stuff. If no one knows you're launching, you will not sell a thing. Being able to get people's attention, keep people's attention and find out what they want to spend that attention on, spend that money on, because attention is money. You, you realize why celebrities get a bunch of offers to do stuff because they manage to hold on to attention. Now, the question is how much is someone else willing to pay them for it to access the attention they've got? So influencers do the exact same thing. They've harnessed attention. How much that attention is worth is based on the ability of the influencer to now direct traffic to the product or how much that attention is worth to the, to the person trying to buy it. If you can get attention and hold attention on a particular topic or on a, or a particular area of interest, it gives you some more validation, some more confidence that people may be willing to buy what you're selling. Ultimately, the only way you're gonna know if they're gonna buy what you're selling is if you launch it. And we launch as quickly as possible because any plan you make is probably gonna get broken by customers immediately, immediately. You'll be sitting there thinking that you're perfectly usable website and wondering why is it taking so long for people to figure out where the checkout button is? But you're not a customer. If you look at customers and we're all customers of somebody, customers are toddlers. Stupid, smart, annoying all at once. They will take your best laid ideas and show you exactly how wrong you were in the very beginning. Launch as quickly as possible and start learning as quickly as possible. Adapt. Once you've got the machine going, once you've got the system going, you're starting to see some of these sales coming in. The next step is to automate. Automate as much as the business as possible. Make sure that the business is running itself rather than you have to run after the business or run it directly. Anything that's taken up too much of your time is taken away from your strategy to be able to, set, to make the side hustle grow 
or be more consistent or maybe become a full-fledged business because you may decide that, you know what, it's running by itself. I'm making my 500 pounds a month and I'm cool. I don't need anything extra. Don't need any more stress. This doesn't need to be a real big business. Fine. That could be perfect for you. Or you may decide that, you know what, I'm going to push this automation thing. I'm going to outsource more stuff so I can actually start really, really growing this thing, quit my job and have something I can call my own. Those are the five steps. I didn't say earlier, but I'm saying it now. This is a pen and paper episode. If you want to rewind and listen back to that, perfect time to do so as we head over to the ad break. After this, we're going to be giving you the quick tip and the next steps of how you can build an awesome side hustle and the things that you should be doing next. You may not know this, but we have a Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators. Here at Black Millennial Money, our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Black Millennial Money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. So we are back talking about side hustles in this Make Money episode of Black Millennial Money. And if you've been with us this whole time, you know that we've gone through the anatomy of a good side hustle. We've broken down five stages of building an amazing online side hustle. Now we're talking about a quick tip and going into the next steps. The quick tip for this one is something that I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn and accept. And it's that failure is not part of the process. It is the process. Getting it wrong, starting a side hustle that no one cares about, that you were overconfident about, that maybe you even lose money, is the road to finding the one that works. There is no other way to get there. If you get there on your first try, it's because you're the unluckiest person going. Why? Because you will be so scared that you haven't figured out how to make this thing work because you got it right the first time. You don't even know what you've done right because you don't know what you've done wrong. You, you don't know if anything's gone wrong. So make your mistakes, fail fast, fail quickly, but don't let it stop you from trying to start a side hustle. You can do it. You've got everything it takes, but just know that failure is part of the process to success. The key thing is to keep trying to keep thinking, to keep optimizing, to keep trying to grow, to keep, to stay hungry, to stay focused on growth and get into the next stage. Now for the next steps on this episode, the three things everyone should do after listening to this, when you take those headphones off, when you park this car, the three things you should be doing is number one, getting crystal clear on your why. Why do you want a side hustle? What what is motivating you? Is it because side hustles are cool? Is it because you want the extra cash? What is it that is making you want to do this? Then the next question, then step number two is figure out what you want your side hustle to do for you, because that's a different question. So if you may, you may be targeting 500 pounds extra a month because you need the money to clear some debt. But what you really want that 500 pounds to do is to give you peace of mind. It is to give you the room to be able to grow, to be able to breathe, to change your lifestyle. What improvement to your life is this side hustle intended to do? Because that will help you figure out how intense of a side hustle this needs to be. Is it the type of side hustle that takes 10 hours a week or does it take 100 hours a week? Because one of those is not a side hustle anymore. One of those is a full-fledged business that you're trying to grow something out of that's going to lead to you having a transformational lifestyle. 
side hustles don't necessarily give you a transformational lifestyle, but they can improve your lifestyle. Figure out what you want it to do for you and then do the maths. What is it going to cost for you to get there? Because there will be a price. With every financial move, is an unequal trade in the beginning. It pays you less than you give to it every single time. The trick is staying in the game long enough to see it pay you more than you could have ever imagined. Now, the third step is to get started as quickly as possible. There is no time to wait because every good idea is only a good idea once it's come out of your head, gone into the real world, and you've got feedback from the real world, from those customers, those toddlers we spoke about, that they think it's a good idea as well. If that doesn't happen, every idea is a bad idea. Every single one, no matter how fantastically you've written your plan, it's a bad idea until the world, until the world says it's a good idea. So those are, your, those are your next steps. Get crystal clear on your why. Why do you want a side hustle? Get crystal clear on what you want your side hustle to do for you. How is it going to improve your life? Different, different question to the first one. Because the second one will show you what it is that you're willing to give up, how much you need to put into this to be able to get back out, and what you're not willing to compromise on. If you're not willing to compromise evenings and weekends, maybe you need to find a different sort of side hustle. But you only get that once you figure out what you want your side hustle to do for you. The third step is to just get started. All the best laid plans fall apart on day one once it goes out into the real world. Do not, ex do not expect all of your guesses to be right. Something is not going to be perfect on day one, and that's fine. Something's not going to be perfect on day 361, and that's okay too. So we've come to the end of this episode, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've really got some value from it because side hustles can be the key to unlocking the financial freedom and opportunity that a lot of us are looking for. An extra 500 pounds a month, an extra one week salary every month after tax would change a lot of our lives. Like literally, if I gave you 500 pounds a month, every month from today onwards, how much different would your day-to-day -day be? Some of you are gonna be buying deals every month, but that's a whole nother story. But if you've enjoyed this episode and you would like to stay connected with Black Millennial Money, you need to head over to Instagram and follow us at BMM Global. So that's BMM Global. Or on Twitter, you head over to BMM Global Pod, where we share lots of information over there. And you can have some back-to-back -back conversations with me even faster from there. Also, in the show notes today, you're going to see a link to our website and a link to our Patreon. On both of those links, you can support the show. You can find out how you can contribute from a, this is a three pounds a month to making sure that we get to do what we do best, which is share financial information from experts and from myself with millions of people around the world. You can do a one-off. You can do it every month. It's completely up to you, but you're helping us spread this word and keep this going. Lastly, in, in the link in the description on the show notes on all of Everywhere you're seeing this or hearing my voice, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, in the description there, there's going to be a link to some of our resources. So there's budgeting tools available. There's cheat sheets on how you can buy cars. Anything that you're looking for, click the link in the description. We may already have it for you. Head over to the website and get you one of those. Next week, we're going to be talking about keeping money. And if you've enjoyed what we've done, what we've spoken about today, making money for free side hustling, and you want to make sure that that money comes in, stays in, and then builds generational wealth in your household, you probably want to tune into a Keep Money episode. 
See you then. This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, boy. This is Black Millennial Money. 